are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Thank you. Thank you. Your best days are ahead of you. God's a God of increase, takes us from glory to glory, and we are going up. Hallelujah, hallelujah, get ready, get ready. Well, it doesn't matter whether you're ready or not. It really doesn't matter. This is it. This is Saturday night and uh, Cold Lake. I told my wife today, I, I found out why they call this place Cold Lake. <laughs> but it's absolutely beautiful. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, I feel the glory of God. We're going to lay hands on everybody tonight. You're going to receive. There's going to be an impartation. You're going to be a carrier of the fire of God. That's the only thing that will change Alberta, Canada, anywhere in the world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, last night, let me, let me finish my message last night from last night before I start my message tonight. I told you that, uh, you know, about the uh, people questioning why the election didn't go the way many prayed, why some people aren't healed, why bad things happen to uh, good people. And the answer is, I don't know. The real question really has to be, what do you know? What do you do when you don't know? What do you do when you don't understand? See, because most people, what they do is they stop and say, I, I'm not going on until I got this figured out. You know, why, why did that person die? Why, why did elections go this way? Whatever it is. And um, that really isn't a good decision because there are no answers to some questions. But to what do you do, that's, that's the challenge. In the uh, early days of our healing miracle ministry, back in the mid-70s, uh, my mother, saint of God, who I was really close to, uh, was diagnosed with incurable cancer. And um, boy, I tell you, did we pray. Did we pray. And uh, I had some wonderful friends that prayed. Um, Oral Roberts, and that those days was president of Oral Roberts University, and I got the call that he was in this prayer tower praying for my mom. I dragged Benny Hinn through the hospital room and laid hands on my mom. And uh, the Bible says when you do everything, then you stand. And af after nine months of a very painful uh, cancer situation, she died. And at her, at the graveside, a friend of mine came to me, fellow preacher, said, Bill, don't quit, don't quit, you can't quit, you can't give up. Well, I hadn't even thought of that as an option. But I made a decision that day, and it was the best decision I've ever made. You need to be honest with God. No sense pretending. And uh, I stood at my mother's grave, and I, I said, God, I don't understand this. If I was doing it, I would have done it really differently. <laughs> and it just seemed to me that it would have been so much better for my mother to be healed. But I said, 
I'm making a decision today. Rather than spending the rest of my life dwelling on what I don't understand, I'll give the rest of my life dwelling on what I do understand. And right there, I just rehearsed what I did know and understand it didn't take long. But I know that God is on the throne. I know that all things work together for good to those that love God. I know that God's ways are higher than our ways. And I know that God's a healing God. And I know he's got a plan. And when the election results came in, I thought, you know, while I don't understand this, it doesn't seem the way that would have been the best for, for a lot of our viewpoint anyway. This is what I know. You know, the nation voted for change. We're getting change. Bam. But I know that we serve a God who doesn't change. And I know that God throughout the centuries that this nation has been a nation has given life words into this nation. He's given us dreams and visions and prophecies. Canada was founded on the prophetic word that he shall have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And I know that that won't change. So we choose to believe the word of the Lord and stand on the word of God and just Go with what we know. And we know that Jesus Christ is Lord. He has risen from the dead and he's Lord. And there's nothing impossible with him. It just makes life so much nicer. And so much simpler. So much easier. And we'll understand it all when we, it doesn't matter. But until then, we just keep it simple. And we just walk with him and trust him and know that we've got a great God. Uh, I just felt I should start this part of the service tonight by encouraging you. So look at the person beside you and say, you're going to get encouraged. Now, I don't see anybody here tonight, but there are some times when, you know, I tell people, you're going to get encouraged tonight. I see one or two people, you know, in other words, no way, you're not going to encourage me. <laughs> Some people are so happy being miserable, they don't want to change. You know? <laughs> but let me, there are, see, see, here's the thing. I don't know how to be discouraged. And um, I, I have, I have um, a number of friends, ministry friends, they live there. And one in particular... <laughs> Um, he had a traveling ministry, had traveling ministry, and um, used to put out these newsletters. They were the most depressing things I ever heard. Started by talking what a terrible day this is, how hard it is, and you know how, how they're cutting back and how they're you know just <laughs> trying to hang out. It was like getting a, a message from the captain of the Titanic, and <laughs> like we're going down, but please please support us. Please send us money. Well, every time I thought, why would, why would you? Why would you sow into something that he's already declared it's, it's over? And he was right. It is over. He's not ministering now. Anyway, um, but I, I, did, I did think that, well, uh, did you know there was a screen up there? Oh. Um, <laughs> 
I'm really working at being more focused. Um, I have Charlie Robinson um, mentoring me and, uh, <laughs> on how to stay focused. <laughs> and, uh, I was praying the other day, God help me focus. Oh, there's a bird. Help me focus. Oh, there's a squirrel. It's just... <laughs> now, now, the thing is, you know, God normally puts people together in, in marriage that are different. My wife is very focused. And so when I'm driving, you know, uh, I'm pointing out all these things. And she, she doesn't see. She's focusing. She's not even driving. She's looking at the road. And I said, look, you're missing this. And she said, well, somebody's got to look at the road. And, uh, and I've seen so many birds and so many squirrels that she's totally missed. So, so we focus, because it's Saturday night in Cold Lake, and the glory of God is going to fall. So I thought, I'm going to try, try this discouragement thing, because it's like many of my friends think, you know, they, they're talking about things, and I say, well, no, I don't, I don't, no, I don't see that. I, oh, yeah, well, that's you. In other words, you're so weird that you're just always happy. And you're always positive. Well, so I thought, well, okay, let's just try what it's like to be discouraged. I couldn't. Seriously, I couldn't. Because, you see, I'm going to give you three reasons why you need to be encouraged. And all three reasons you've already got. But the problem is, you can have great truths. You can have wonderful doctrine. But if it's up here... It's only knowledge, and it doesn't impact you and doesn't change you. But when the truth moves from your head to your heart, bam, you're transformed. That's where the passion comes. That's where life comes. So th three reasons why you need to be encouraged. Where is Jesus today? Don't answer. I'll tell you. The Bible says he's sitting at the Father's right hand. That's where Jesus is. He ascended to heaven. Sat at the Father's right hand. He sent Holy Spirit, but that's where he is. Well, what's he doing? The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for you. In other words, he's sitting at the Father's right hand praying for you. Now, I knew that scripture for years. But one day, it just made a little trip down to my heart. And I thought... Jesus is praying for me. Now, you know, I meet people all the time that tell us we pray for you every day, and I feel it, and I love that. I, you know, we need to pray for one another. But let me tell you, suppose you were going through a really tough time. This is like a just really tough. You just think nothing else could go wrong, and it does, and you get a phone call. And it's from the Robinsons, and they said, you know what? We just know you're going through a tough time, so we've taken this entire week fast and pray for you. That would be really good. And your pastor called and said, look, I know you're going through a rough time, so my wife and I are just really praying this week for you. They just set everything else aside. And then a number of different ministries called you and told you, that would be so encouraging. But then Jesus calls you <laughs> and says, this is what you know, I'm praying for you. Yeah, I, I know people that, 
when something's going on, they, they don't go to bed. They, they, it's a crisis, so they stay up all night and they worry. I, I, I'm of the mindset, if it's a real crisis, it'll still be there in the morning. <laughs> but why would I stay up all night? I go to sleep, and Jesus stays up all night praying for me. You wake up in the morning thinking, well, every moment I've been sleeping, he's been praying for me, talking to the Father for me. So you sit in the, you sit in the um, doctor's office, and he gives you terrible news, and you smile because you know something. You know Jesus is praying for you right now. So when he says there's nothing that can be done, wow. Well, you're sitting here tonight in this service. Guess what? Jesus is praying for you. Not just the world, for you. That's what the Bible says. We believe the Bible, don't we? I mean, that's, that's powerful. That's, I find that quite encouraging. <laughs> I think, how could I not have breakthrough? How could I not be well? How can I not have my knees? He's praying for me right now. Glory to God. If that's all we had, that'd be great, but there's more. There's more. He sent Holy Spirit. He made the announcement, I will no longer dwell in buildings, but your body will be the temple of the Holy Ghost. So where is God? He's here. All of the power of the Godhead is here. That's why we can say, greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. That's why we can say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper because he's in here. Oh. Thank God there's one more. Some of you aren't encouraged yet. But that, that's, I, I find that quite encouraging. The greater one is here. All the power of the Godhead inside you. Point at you. Say, it's me. If the river of God's going to flow, guess what? Not going to come from here, there, there. It's going to come from you. Out of your belly flows rivers of living water because it's in you. Revivals, you are revival. You are healing. You're, it's in you. Wow. I'm just getting encouraged. So, so he's praying for us. The greater one is inside us. And then there's more. When you come to Jesus, he does something really amazing. He assigns angels to you. That they're with you. They're with you all the time. Now, I've heard some preachers say, you know, they're with you, but if you drive too fast, break the speed limit, you leave them behind. <laughs> That's not true. I've tried it, and it's not true. <laughs> They're just trying to tell you, keep, well, anyways, uh, it's not true. Wherever you go, you, go, you, go, you can go to some terrible places. And do some trouble. They're with you. They're on assignment. They're, they're surrounding you. And they're there for one reason, to minister to you. To make sure you don't hurt yourself. And you might say, you know, well, I've never, never seen any evidence of angels in my life. Well, that means they're doing a really good job. Because you're still here, still alive. You know, the Bible says when Jesus returns, the archangel's going to shout. I guarantee some of your angels are going to shout, thank God it's over, they made it. <laughs> You've kept them really busy. I, I, um, I've seen two of my personal angels, and it was life-changing for me. I, I'll, I'll try to tell this as quickly as I can, as short as I can. Um, I made a trip up to a place in um, 
the Arctic in Nunavut on Southampton Island, Coral Harbor. And it was a special trip up uh, with a purpose because I was getting calls almost every night from um, some of the leaders there, so excited that every night in the services they were hearing angels sing. Now I've heard that and it's really, it's really sensational. But then I started getting calls before the services and they were going with that reason, going to service for that reason, to hear the angels sing. And, and, and well, you know, we, we don't downplay the importance of all that. We need to keep focused on Jesus. We need, when we come together, we need to come to meet him. And, and um, the angels would get into real bad trouble if we started worshiping them and, you know, lifting them up because they're there to serve. And so I, I didn't discourage them. I encouraged them. But I thought, I'll just go up and kind of make sure we're on track here. So I, I go up, and we have some meetings. And I thought they were good. And uh, I think some probably thought I quenched things because nobody heard any angels sing the whole time I was there, <laughs> which I thought was fine. They just We had good meetings. And, and so we, we finished up, and it was great. And I was to fly out the next day. And I woke up in the morning, looked out the window, you know what that's like, and, and uh, I knew the planes weren't coming today. Because if the weather's not good, the planes don't fly. If the planes don't fly, you don't get out. And I knew I'd be there at least another night. And if I'm there another night, I knew we'd have another service. Uh, so, you know, that wasn't even discussed. We just, I, I said to them, why don't, why, why don't we just relax tonight? They said, well, we're having a service, so if you don't want to come, don't come. Well, they made me feel awful, so I'll be there. <laughs> so, so I went, and great crowd, and, you know, uh, service started. And I got up, and I opened my Bible. I was going to preach on um, the woman at the well. There's some really powerful things in there. And uh, so I felt before I preached, I was to pray for some people called... Uh, a few things out, and the people came. So I went down to start praying for them. Well, according to them, the leaders, I disappeared. Um, they didn't know where I went. And uh, they finally found me. I, don't, I seriously don't know how I got there. I was laying in the far corner, flat on my back, and they said it looked like you kept getting, trying to get up and it was like something was pushing you down. Well, somehow I ended up over there, and I saw them. Two of these huge angels, one on each side of me. And, and all I can tell you is they were phenomenal. They were so big. They were so strong. They were both kneeling, and both of them um, just there, smiling. And their eyes were like so clear, so blue, it was like you could jump into them and swim. I mean, it was just amazing. And they, they didn't say anything, but yet we communicated. It was like spirit to spirit. And, and uh, um, what, what I heard them say in my spirit was, heaven is so near. Heaven is so near. Well, honestly, I thought, well, this is it. This is it. It's, I'm going. You know, and, and it was, I, was, I was so excited about it. I thought, this is it. Heaven's it. And so I thought, I got to tell. Now, remember, I went up to kind of get them settled down a bit. 
And now, I think I, see, when somebody else tells you they've seen an angel, oh, you're into that. When it's you, when it's you, you think, yeah, I got to tell everybody, you know, because this, this is real. And so I thought, I got to tell them, got to tell them. And as I tried to get up, they both at the same time reached over, just touched my arm and pushed me back down and looked at each other and laughed. And, and I, I thought, I didn't laugh. Because I thought, no, I've got to tell the people. And I did this two or three times. And each time they did the same thing. They just, it was like they hardly touched, but they were so big. They're very strong. Just bam. And, and, and patience isn't my strong point. And I really wanted to tell the people, the angels are here. And heaven is so near. Like that seemed to me pretty important. And... Uh, they wouldn't let me up, and they kept laughing. And they weren't laughing with me. And so, but they were having a great time. And so, finally, I just thought, okay, here I am. You know, what can I do? And after, I don't know how long it was, and I was totally unaware of anything else, but I saw not just these two angels, I saw the place filled with angels. And it was like they were in and through each other, overlapping. You could see through them, like every bed, from floor to ceiling, from wall to wall to wall. There wasn't, there wasn't any part of that building was filled with angels. And then it was like, as I looked up, I could, see, I could see through the roof outside, there were more angels outside over that community, over that building. This is a little community in Arctic Canada. Well, then I thought, I really got to tell them. Down, laugh. So finally, I thought, okay, I, I give up. And so both of them, at one point, in the same time, just kind of moved back a bit and kind of folded their arms and as if said, go ahead. And I thought, no. Because I don't want you playing with me anymore. I just don't want to be pushed down anymore. <laughs> and so now angels aren't in a hurry. And I felt these were two of my personal angels, so they're assigned to take care of me. And so they were quite happy. As the longer I stay on the floor, the easier their job is. You know, I'm not getting hurt. I'm not in danger. And and because um, they've been with me in Russia, and they've, you know, when I've been arrested and when I've got, our tanks gone through the ice and all kinds of stuff, they've been with me, and they did a good job because I'm here. So <laughs> so. Finally, I thought, well, I'll give it a try, and they didn't budge. I got up, and with difficulty, made my way to the pulpit. And my wife says, this is one of the greatest miracles she's ever seen. I opened my mouth, and I couldn't talk. <laughs> and that was frustrating. Because I want, I, all I wanted to say is the angels are here, and I go, eh. And like, it's like inside, everything's working fine. And I thought, well, what was that? Like, that's not difficult. Angels are here. So I go, ah. And Louis Bruce, who, worship leader and great friend in, in Coral Harbor, he comes up. 
And he's going to interpret this. Because <laughs> I'm going, ah, ah. So, so he puts his face right in front of my face. And I go, ah. And he's looking at angels, angels. I go, ah, angels, angels. And so, so Louis takes the mic. He says, I think he's saying angels are here. And I'm saying, ah, ah. Anyway, it was, it was quite interesting because... <laughs> Quite a bit later, in one of their homes, you know, we went there for fellowship. I was able to communicate again. And um, they said, I said something about preaching. They said, well, you didn't preach tonight. I said, yes, I did. They said, no, you didn't. I said, yeah, I did. I did. I, I preached on John. No, no. You opened your Bible. You went down and prayed. And then you disappeared. And then you couldn't talk. And then, but it was one of the greatest meetings ever. <laughs> Seriously. People got healed. People got saved. They, they, they actually felt angels. I didn't have to tell them. They knew. They actually felt angels brushing by them. And, and as they did, healing was flowing, and it was, it was quite amazing. And so I've never, I haven't seen them since. I don't think I need to because I know they're there. But it was in England. I was ministering in London, England. And at the end of the service, ministry team came, wanted to pray for me. And I was just, you know, on the floor, just soaking. And I felt, I felt their two hands. And I looked, and I couldn't see them. But it was like them just saying, it's okay, we're here. <laughs> those, those English people aren't going to hurt you. We're, we're here. <laughs> and so it really was life-changing for me. Because I can go anywhere and do anything, and I have absolutely no fear because I got these big guys taking care of me. So, and you've got your angels, and they're there for you to make. So, he, Jesus is praying for you. God Almighty, through Holy Spirit, is living inside of you. All the power of the Godhead's within you. And he's giving you angels to camp around about you. Now, if that doesn't encourage you, I'll give the benediction right now and we'll go home. <laughs> I, I mean, that's phenomenal. See, I knew all that. But when it hit my heart, it changed me forever. Absolute ever. I can't get discouraged. How could I get discouraged when Jesus is praying for me? And God's living inside of me, and angels are surrounding me, taking care of me. Everything's going to be okay. Look at the person beside you. Everything's going to be okay. I've got a word for you tonight, and I believe this is a now word for you. We've been talking 2016 is going to be an amazing, amazing, amazing year. And I decree over you, because when you speak words under the anointing of God, you start something in motion. This is your year of miracles. This is year of miracles. We, we've graduated from just having a summer of miracles to now we're going to have a whole year of miracles. And um, um, I, it goes back years and years ago. I just was, was um, really concerned that the church, not all the church, but many churches we went to, um, they started about May uh, bracing for this terrible thing coming and, and, and talking to their people about this summer slump as if it was just the worst thing that was ever going to happen. Summer was coming, and you know, their goal was to survive. 
summer and, and get through to September. And everything stopped and, you know, they, they, decreed, they said, you know, crowds are going to be down and finance is going to be down and just come on, help us now to get ready for this summer. And I thought, God is the same in July as he is in March. I mean, you know. And um, so I, I decreed um, publicly on a Thursday night meeting in Ottawa, healing service, um, this is going to be a summer of miracles. We're going to see more happen than ever, more people healed, more people saved, more finances. We're going to do more, go more. And, um, and people were very excited about that. And about three days later, the news said the postal uh, office was going on strike. And we were on television right across the nation. And how it worked in those days, there was no internet, you know, you, people watched the program. If they were ministered to, they, they would write a check. And, and in those days, many people would just put a cash in an envelope and mail it. They weren't supposed to, but they did. And we accepted it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so that meant no mail, which meant no income. And so our administrator came in, and he happened to be my brother-in-law at the time, and he said, you really shouldn't have said that. I said, say what? This is going to be summer miracles. I said, well, I, I felt it. Well, it can't be. He said, this is going to be really hard. I mean, like, you know, you know we depend on the mail. And, and so I, I, I just, you know, spoke some nice things over him and said, this will be the summer miracles. And it was, an, it was that night, the next night. I woke up in the middle of the night. And I was paralyzed with fear. And as clear as could be, it wasn't audible, but I heard. This can't be the summer of miracles. There's no mail, no income. Won't be, won't be your best year, be your worst year. Probably, you probably aren't going to survive. Your ministry is going down. Well, I perceived fairly quickly that wasn't God. <laughs> so I sat up in bed and said, you are a liar. Now, my wife has a gift of sleep. She, she, she's amazing. I don't know how she does it. She's literally slept through tornadoes. Wow. Really. I mean, a train could come through our bedroom, and she wouldn't even know. I mean, <laughs> you know, anyway, I, <laughs> she just has a gift. Well, I said this apparently fairly loud. You're a liar. And she's a... I don't think she woke up, but she roused, and she said, what, what, what? I said, oh, I wasn't talking to you, and she, she was gone, so. <laughs> I, I stood up in the middle of that dark bedroom, and I said, you're a liar. And what came to me was the children of Israel out in the wilderness. Was no water, no food. No place to buy shoes, no place to buy clothing, no place to do anything. It was wilderness. I've been out there. It's nothing. And I thought, that's why you have to have the word in you. I, thought, I said, you know, if God could take care of a few million people and let them have fresh water every day and food delivered to their tents every morning for, for all of them and their, their livestock... And make it so their shoes never wore out. Now think about that one. Because some of them were kids when they left Egypt. 
That meant the shoes grew. I heard Amy Simple McPherson's daughter or son talking about you know, traveling with her as a kid. And in one meeting, they had the big tent set up, but they were in a tent just on the other side of town. And um, Amy was getting ready for the meeting, and, and um, I think it was the little girl's shoes were too small. They were too tight, and they, she didn't have a lot of money to buy new shoes at that time. And she said, Mommy, could we pray for my shoes? And she said, what do you mean? She said, well, it, God must have made shoes grow out in the wilderness. So if he could do it, then he could do it. Now would you pray? And so they said, Mommy, just very casually, his old shoes grow, and then went off to the meeting. Next morning, they said, either our feet got smaller or the shoes got bigger because they fit perfectly. And so, but they, it happened out there, and they, God kept them all in health, and you have fresh water to drink, all of this stuff. And I said, if God, I mean, the mail isn't our source. God's our source. And I said, if God can take care of them, he'll take care of us. And I said, devil, you rotten liar. You know, we're going to do some devil kicking tonight, because devil's been lying to some of you. I said, God is our source. I said, if you dare come back next week, we'll be doing better next week than we are now. If you dare come back at the end of this month, we'll be doing better. And if you dare come back at the end of the summer, you will see we've had the best summer ever. And let me tell you, it was phenomenal. We just moved into a supernatural thing. And people drove. I mean, we had people showing up at our office regularly. Many of them had driven a few hours. Said, God just told us to bring this. And they'd bring money. They'd bring checks. They'd bring gifts. And it went over the top. Record show, it was, it was one of the best. Well, it was, to that point, it was the best summer we'd ever had. And at the end of the summer, I heard a news report. Post office strike is over. We're going back to work. And I was so disappointed. Because <laughs> I thought, okay, we're going to go back in the natural, but we've been in the supernatural. And so it was so much fun. Next summer, about end of May, beginning of June, I said, we're going to have a summer of miracles. And we did. A couple of years ago, I, I was speaking in Ottawa, and I declared this is going to be Summer of Miracles. And a friend of Steve O'Mara, he said, oh, you said that last year. And I said, and it was. But this will be better because we're closer, so it's increase. And so why just have a Summer of Miracles? 2016 is your year of miracles where you're going to move in the supernatural absolutely because God is absolutely big. He's absolutely big. He's great. Oral Roberts had a sign on his desk that said, Oral, you're thinking too small. Or Oral, make no little plans here. Wow. We need to have our minds renewed so we begin to think like God. Like, I love Abraham. Can you believe this? I mean, here he is. He's getting close to 100. His wife is about 90. And God says, you're going to have a baby. And we, we have four children. We had a girl, boy, girl, boy. You know, nothing else to have. And um, then we had, you know, we have 12 grandchildren. Now we have five great-grandchildren and one coming this spring. But I, you know, I've suggested to my wife, maybe it'd be great to have another one. 
And she didn't react like you did. <laughs> she didn't think it was funny. I said, well, uh, Abraham and Sarah. And she said, you know, God sent an angel to tell them. And Sarah left. She said, if God sends an angel to me to tell me I'm going to have a baby, I won't laugh. I'll kill the angel. <laughs> and, and I said, oh, no, no, no. You can't, you can't kill angels because they, like, they, they don't die. They live. This one would die. So that's one place where angels fear to tread. I mean, so, so, so then I talked to our kids. Have some more. Well, no, so now we have to, our grandchildren are having them. They're, they're marrying, and now they're having babies because we have to do that because, you know, but, but Abraham and Sarah, and, and like, this was totally impossible. And everybody pointed out, look at you. <laughs> look at her. You can't have kids. I mean, and he said, you know, the Bible says her womb was dead. His body was done. But he just made a decision. The one who gave the promise was able to keep the promise. And so he talked about things that were not as though they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible says, let the poor say they're rich. Let the weak say they're strong. Let the sick say they're well. You say, well, well that, that's, that's lying. No, it's not. It's speaking faith. It's speaking word. It's agreeing with God. And so he just starts speaking like God. Because we're not, we're not dependent on natural circumstances. We're dependent on a God who is absolutely supernatural. I believe that we limit God. Because, you know, it was so good out in the wilderness, this realm of the supernatural they lived in, that when they got to the promised land, a portion of them said, we don't want to go in. Wow. It's good enough here. Let us stay here. Because they had, they had the supernatural. I mean, they had the blessings. They had the miracles. I mean, they were living. And they said, we're satisfied with this. But we never get satisfied because no matter how much you got, there's more. No matter how much you see God do, there's more. And listen to this scripture. This is from Psalm 78. This is about the people living in the supernatural, getting fresh water out of rocks, getting manna delivered to their doors, having their clothes not wearing out, their shoes not wearing out. I mean, living in divine health. How often they provoked God in the wilderness. And how often they grieved him. It, 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 it's a comment about the church today. What grieved him? They tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. We're satisfied with manna. We're satisfied with water. God said, oh, I've got so much. I've got a land flowing with milk and honey. I've got, I've got, I've got a promised land I prepared for you. But because there were obstacles and challenges, a lot of them didn't want to come in. And tonight we're going to make a decision. We're going to move and step into a new season. And a season when we take the limits off God. A season when we say there are no limits, there are no boundaries. God will be as big as you let him be in your life. God, you see, I was in Littleton, New Brunswick. Hi. <laughs> Do you have to go to the washroom or what is it? <laughs> Are you from there? 
What part? Oh, God bless you. Hmm? Wow, it's a lovely place, Miramichi. And um, I didn't know anything. But during the service, I said, I've got faith to believe for jobs. If you need a job, the Bible says, any two agree, it shall be done. Touching anything. So I want you to come, and we're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to believe for jobs. Well, I was, I was amazed. A good portion of the crowd came. Majority of men came. And they just lined the front. They looked very excited. I built up their hopes. That's what we're supposed to do. And, and you know, I said, I believe God's going to give you jobs. And he's going to give you jobs in this season. And so I'm just getting ready to pray. And I'm feeling good. They're obviously very excited. And a man is over the side. Turned out he's one of the leaders of the church. And he's motioning to me. And I almost said, no, not right now. But I went over and I said, he said, there are no jobs. I said, what? He said, I, I mean, he said, this area is one of the most depressed areas of the country right now. There are no jobs. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, boy. There are no jobs. <laughs> and then I thought, well, if there were jobs, then we wouldn't have to pray. Just go get them. Like, like if, if, if every place has got, you know, hiring, then... You wouldn't have to pray. You just go and apply and get a job. So I thought, well, let's, let's just believe for this. I mean, it's too late anyway. I've already built their hopes up. They're already there. So I prayed and believed God. Well, do you know what happened? While they were there being ministered to, many of them flattened their back on the floor. God started giving creative ideas. Some men started businesses and started hiring other guys from the church. And the blessing of God came, and that area began to prosper. And um, I was there, I was back there a year later, and a young guy comes to me and said, God, talk to you. He said, like, this really works. <laughs> and, and he said, I didn't know who he was. He was the pastor's son. And he said, I knew you didn't know there were any, no jobs, but I did. Because I tried everywhere, I tried everything, and there were no jobs. Nobody's hiring, there's no job, places were closing up. He said it was bad. And he said, when you said that, I thought, I'm not growing up. But my mother was sitting on, I think in those days, she, they sat at the organ. I think it was an organ or piano, but organ. And uh, just gave me that look. Like, you get up here. You know, because everybody knew the pastor's son needed a job, and, and so what it would look like if he didn't come up. So God bless pastor's kids. <laughs> and so he said, I came up. I didn't believe for anything, but he said, I just did it because my mom would have really not been nice to me if I hadn't, and so I did it for her. He said, the next day I got a phone call from a place I had applied to that said there were no jobs, and they offered me a job. And he said, the next day, I got another call from a place I'd never heard of, offering me a job. In three days, I got three offers. And I took the, first, uh, I took the best one. And he looked at me. He said, Bill, this is real. This really works. <laughs> wow, I was so glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to take the limits off of God. 
We're not, we're, in, we're, we're part of another kingdom here. And, and you talked this afternoon, that was so good about, you know, God giving dreams and creative ideas. Well, seriously, that's what, that's what has to happen. The kingdom people have to rise up and, and start thinking big like God. And, and rather than coming up with all the reasons why it can't, it can. It absolutely can. We think too small personally. You know, I go back to David and Goliath. Goliath intimidated the people of God by saying, we are the great Philistines and you're the army of Saul. And they got filled with fear. And so focused on the, how big the giant was, how strong the Philistines were, they, they, they were talking defeat and crying out to God. We've done that. We've let other people, we've let the media, we've let family, we've let people in authority from our childhood define us. They've said, you're this or you're that or you don't have this or you don't or you can't do this. We've let them refine, define us. Well, David ran out and he said, you're not going to tell me who we are. I'll tell you who we are. Somebody has to rise up in, the, in, in this nation and get the anointing of David and say, you, well, you know, he, the giant said, Goliath said, we're the great Philistines. He said, okay, you're the Philistines. You're the filthy, uncircumcised Philistines. Well, for a Jewish boy, that's about the nastiest thing you could ever say to anybody. He said, I'll define who you are. You're filthy. And you're uncircumcised. That means you're so far from God. And he said, we are not the army of Saul. Because to believe they were the army of Saul meant they were, they were not big enough and not strong enough. We are not poor, weak sinners. We're not people in this nation that don't have a voice and don't have rights. David said, I'll tell you who we are. We're not the army of Saul. We are the army of the living God, and our God's bigger than you are. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how strong you are. We're the army of the living God, and not one day today. You're going down today. This is breakthrough time. This is victory time. You're, you're... Oh, don't get me going tonight. <laughs> it's time that we rise up and realize that healing is in our hands, deliverance in our mouth. And if Canada is going to be saved, it's going to be saved through people like you. If revival is going to come, it's going to be through you. You know, people are saying, God, send some great holy person. Jamie Buckingham, years ago, great writer in the charismatic renewal, said, God has to use us. All the great holy people are dead. Smith Wigglesworth isn't coming back. Catherine Coleman's not coming back. Oral Roberts is gone. I mean... But let me tell you something. God's got an army. And we're the army of the living God. We, we, we live too small. I mean, some of you have just come to the point, well, I've, you struggle with things. You know, you call, we used to call it sin. Now we call it issues. Issues sound so much better than sin, doesn't it? <laughs> when, I, when I led DOC in Ottawa, you know, half of our church was young adults, and they're amazing, but... Um, they, they, some of them were high maintenance, and, <laughs> and they said, you know, they had some, I said, what's going on? Well, I got some issues. I said, well, no, it's not really an issue. It's a sin. 
Well, they didn't like that. They thought, why is he being so nasty to me? But, but some people have struggled with some things for so long that they say, this is what I am. And some of you have gone without, and some of you have done this and this and this so long that you think, okay, this is the way it'll always be. It's 2016. It's a new day. You need to rise up, do some devil kicking, and say, this is going to be different. I'm going up. I'm going to a new level. This is breakthrough time. And whatever I struggled with, this is the, the enemy's going down. I'm going to break the chains. It would have been very appropriate for you to write the name Jesus on the sole of your foot tonight because we're going to kick his ugly face, the devil's ugly face, and he needs to know that through Jesus, Jesus, he's put the enemy under our feet. The enemy's not above us, not equal to us. He is under our feet. Uh, we, we, we limit God in our health. The doctor said, well, you know, your mother had it. Your grandfather had it. Now you've got nothing you can do. We accept that. We, we, we accept that. And we, many times we accept, well, you know, you, you just kind of have to live with that. And we accept it. Well, I guess I can live with it. And yet Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, have it more abundantly. I've come that you might enjoy life to the full, the Amplified Bible says. And you're not enjoying life if you're in pain and if you're heavily medicated and all these things. And, but we, we limit God. And the, the big one is, well, at my age, you know, you've got to expect. Where do you get that in the Bible? Moses was 120. He still had the strength of a young man. Caleb and Joshua said, look, here we are, 85. Still got the strength of a young man going in, taking the mountains. We limit God. We let other people, you know, convince us that there are limitations. There's no limits and there's no boundaries in this thing. Except the limits and boundaries we put on. We sure limit God in finances. Well, I don't know. I've got all these dreams, and I feel God's telling me to do something. But I've said, God, you give me the money, and you give me the resources, and you give me the people, and then I'll do it. That, you'll never do it. See, waters don't part till you step into them. Miracles don't happen till you step out. You know, you, you, you declare. Um, God spoke to me about going to Arctic Russia and taking Inuit leaders from Canada over to minister to their cousins who have never heard the gospel. And nobody knew how to do it. Nobody had ever done it before. And I had experts tell me it can't be done. It's impossible. And I don't know if they've ever tried to explain to Jesus when he's telling you to do something that it's impossible. He really doesn't understand that. He just kept saying, go. And I'm trying to explain, well, it's not that easy, you see. And, and then it's going to be very expensive. And they don't even know how much money it's going to be. And, and so anyways, we, we got some people. I went over to Russia and connected with some people. And, and um, uh, we, we, we figured out a way to get there. We started in the far east of Russia. And uh, boy, it was going to be a lot of money. And that was the challenge. And then, and then just about a month before the trip actually happened, uh, you know, all of a sudden prices increased and things increased and, and all this. And uh, um, so now it's come down to this Sunday. I'm leaving for the West Coast on the Monday and then flying north. And I'm going to meet the uh, Inuit team. 
and me and the others that were going, and uh, they were already flying. I had a plane picking them up, and they're flying uh, over to the West Coast, and we're going to meet there. And we needed money. I needed $23,000 still. And um, I thought, this is so irresponsible. You know, you're supposed to count the cost. Well, we couldn't count the cost. Nobody knew how much it was going to cost. And they kept, so anyway, I just, God told us to do it. And somebody came to me and said, man, everything's so easy for you. I said, what do you mean? Well, you just say you're going to do something and do it, and the money happens. And they, they don't know the blood and the sweat and the tears. And the, uh, we were talking about Charles and Francis Hunter. Uh, they were dear friends of Gwen and I. They, in the charismatic days, great happy hunters, uh, teaching people how to heal the sick and all this. And, and Francis said, you know, the Bible says you can't worry. And Charles and I never worry, but we sure sweat a lot sometimes. And, <laughs> and it was <laughs> some sweating. And then, so we had a service in Ottawa that Sunday night just before I was to leave. And I thought, well, I'll go and tell them. You know, we're a little short here, and um, could you help us? But, um, and they, people in Ottawa had always supported and given offerings, but never <laughs> anything like that. And Sunday afternoon, I got a phone call. I don't even know how they got to my number, but I got a phone call from a man I'd never met saying, just want you to know, my wife and I, we know you're going to Russia. Uh, we just, we put a $3,000 check in the mail today for you. I said, um, have you, have you been connected with our ministry? No, never. Have you been to service? No. Well, why are you doing this? He said, we, I saw you on a television program. You're talking about this, and God told us to do this. And we just did it today. $3,000 from people that weren't even connected is amazing. And I felt like, say, I was torn between saying, wow, and is that all? Because, <laughs> you know, it was wonderful, but when you need 23... Three, really, anyway. Um, so now it's time to go to service, and as is normal in our house, I don't know what it's like in your house, but um, my wife is always ready before I am. Always. She's always waiting for me. And uh, when we travel, I always take twice as much luggage as she does. I've got so much stuff on this trip. It's unbelievable. And I'm getting annoyed at myself now because... <laughs> Because I try to sneak it out without, because when she doesn't travel, she doesn't see if I could sneak the suitcases out. But why are you taking so much? Because she actually plans. She says, how many services do we have? Okay, I'll wear this with this. And she coordinates and plans and takes a little thing. But anyway, so she's waiting for me and telling me, you know, we're going to be late. And it's our service. And, um, uh, and the phone rings. And she says, don't answer it. And sometimes I listen to my wife. And, but I, I, I can't handle a phone ringing. I can't. I, I, like, like in the ministry, I mean, <laughs> I was obsessed with this. The people on our staff said, you know, he's got a couple of things he's obsessed with. One is, one is you know, when guests come, ministry guests come, how they're taken care of. And the other one was, you know, if the phone rings, that could be a person. You know, it could be a person, like you answer. So we had this, there was always somebody that, that was their job to answer the phone, but if they're on the phone, then there was number two. They answered the phone, and if they're on the phone, then somebody would answer the next line and whatnot. And if the phone rang more than three times and I was around, I'd answer the phone. I couldn't handle it. I mean, I've been in stores and I've answered the phone. <laughs> 
And I said, oh, I'll find out. I'll find out. Yeah, sure. It's on sale today. You come in and tell them Bill said. <laughs> Not really. But so the phone's ringing. My wife said, don't answer it. And I answered it. Because she's saying we're going to be. And it's a man that we knew kind of casually. They, you know, we knew them. They'd come to meetings in Ontario and whatnot. And he said, Bill, I, I, we're in Florida, but I just want to give you a call. You're going to Russia soon, aren't you? And I said, yeah, tomorrow I'm leaving. This is a businessman. And he said, um, that's what I thought. I thought it was pretty soon. He said, well, how do you do with the money? I said, what do you mean? He said, yeah, did you get all the money you need? I said, well, actually, we're a little short. And, <laughs> and he said, okay, well, how much, how much do you need? And I, I said, well, I said, because I didn't want to seem totally irresponsible. I said, well, you know, uh, it's still coming in. I, I said, you know, and, and, and we were doing really good, but then they raised the price a couple of times the last couple of weeks. How much do you need? I said, well, a guy called this afternoon, and they, they're giving $3,000, so, I mean, this is phenomenal. We're doing good. How much? Finally, he just said, Bill, how much do you need? And I gulped, and I said, $20,000? And there was absolute silence. Because, you know, businessmen, they... They think like businessmen. And he said, okay, I'm just thinking here. Um, if, I, if I wired 20000 into your account tomorrow morning, would that, would that work? And of course I said, well, let me fast and pray about that for the next two weeks, and um, I'll let you know. I, I said, can you, can you do that? He said, oh, yeah, and I have to. He said, we were in your meetings a month and a half ago. Heard you talking about this trip, and God said, whatever he needs at the end, you're to give. And he said, individually, God told my wife and I, you would need $20,000. Now, you think, thank you, God. I mean, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> like, no, 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 because no. it doesn't work that way. And um, he said, we would have been very surprised if you had said anything less or anything more, because God told us you need 20000 So he said... We've been ready to give and just waiting till the end, and there it is. And he did it. But you see, that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't stepped out. Some of you are waiting. Waters part when you step into them. Miracles happen when you launch out. All you need is a word from God. It says, come, and you come. It's time for some of you to get out of a boat. It's time to stop limiting God. Because we're not dependent on the oil business, on the government decisions, thank God. We're dependent on a God who is big and is great and keeps his promises. He never gives a dream he doesn't intend to see fulfilled, never gives a promise he doesn't intend to keep, never gives a prophetic word that he doesn't mean. He's not in the business of frustrating you. The frustration has to end. And you move into this. God's going to do something in your family. We've got to take the limits off of God. Well, you know, a lot of marriages, they break up and they're not great. Well, let's stop thinking that way. This is your year for marriages to be restored. For marriages to be... I've just heard some of the greatest testimonies of, of, of people I know, their kids that... that the, the kids' marriages were done and over and everything, and they've been reconciled. And it's just, and they say, it's just an absolute miracle. We're in this day. 
when you've got to start speaking life and healing over marriages and over your children and over your grandchildren and don't go by what they say or what they think. Just do it. Just stand out and do it. Smith Wigglesworth, pardon me, Smith Wigglesworth, great man of God, in a service, prophesied. And they said he, he really got loud. And he started by saying, I see it, I see it. And then the commentary says, closing his eyes again. If you don't get anything else out of this, just before we pray with you, you got to get this. If you can see it, you can have it. My problem is, in 1972, when I encountered Holy Spirit, I came back to Canada. The first thing that happened, I saw a vision of Canada in revival. I mean, I saw it so clearly. I saw 1,000 young people on the streets of Ottawa doing the works of God. I saw Parliament coming to a halt as people were literally falling off their chairs in the House of Commons as the power of God fell. I, I, saw, I saw stadiums filled with people. I saw it all. And I knew two things. I knew that that's what God intended to do in Canada, and I knew that's what I'd give my life to. Had no desire to minister anywhere else. If I go to the United States, I go there for rest usually. And I, I have no desire to minister. If I minister in the States, I just talk about Canada the whole time. Most of them don't even like that. But I just report. Just report. We were going down to Texas, and they started, and we were just going to talk about what God's doing in Canada. I knew I'd give my life for that. And I knew this, that I would see it. I would see Canada in revival. Once you've seen it, you can't get away from it. So, whether it's your finances, whether it's your business, whether it's your family, your marriage, whether it's your health, don't look at the natural. Close your eyes. We have 12 amazing grandchildren, and they're all phenomenal. Two of our grandchildren have made really unwise choices and decisions which bring crazy consequences. And so right now, they're, they're out there. But we're not going to go anywhere without them. Because they're coming back. So, I did a couple of things. I blocked them on Facebook because I didn't want to see in the natural, what they were doing. And every day, I close my eyes. I don't see them as they are. I see them as they shall be. I don't see them just being saved. I see them preaching the gospel, casting out devils, healing the sick, doing far more than the grandpa's ever, ever, ever considered doing. And it shall be, because I've seen it. I see it. I close my eyes and I see it. So when you, when you pray, when you believe for your children, close your eyes. See it as it shall be. That's what Abraham did. That's what faith is, the substance of things not seen. You've got to see it in the spiritual before it can come in the natural. Um, and, and see yourself well. If you're having trouble walking, see yourself running and jumping. Just close your eyes. Someone very close to me, um, very, very serious conditions that limit walking and standing and things like that. So when I pray, and I pray daily, I close my eyes, 
and I see them jumping and leaping and running and enjoying it. If you can see it, then you can press through and believe for it. So Smith Wigglesworth said, I see it, I see it. Shutting his eyes again, he see. Now, I, I'm just going to take the liberty, since he's not here to punch me, I'm going to take the liberty of adding the words cold lake. He didn't say cold lake. But if it happens anywhere, it can happen here. So he said, I see the greatest revival in the history of mankind coming to Cold Lake. I see the dead being raised in Cold Lake. I see every form of disease healed in Cold Lake. Do you have a hospital here? Oh, good. Because he said, I see whole hospitals emptied. I see. He saw it. Entire hospitals being emptied, and all the doctors running down the street yelling, <laughs> shouting, in Cold Lake. He said there'd be so many people coming to Christ that nobody would be able to count them. You wouldn't be able to say this, that many, this many, this many. He said there's too many. No disease will be able to stand before God's people in Cold Lake. He said this will be a worldwide situation, not just local. He said... Worldwide thrust of God's power and anointing. He opened his eyes. He said, I won't, I won't see it. It won't happen in my lifetime. But it will come. It will come. Tonight I'm going to tell you what you know in your head. But we're going to believe it's going to hit your, your, your spirit man, your heart. The God that we serve has no limits and no boundaries. And 2016 is for you. For you, a season, a year, when there are no limits. We take the limits off God. When there are no boundaries, when there's increase all around. Now, we're going to do something before we lay hands on every one of you tonight. And we're going to form a doorway tonight. And you're actually going to step into a new season. You're going to step through the door. And as you do, we're going to lay hands on you and impart fire and many of you are going to feel fire in your bones i live with that man when you feel literal fire in your bones you you can't not be excited you can't stop you can't get old you can't get sick you can't get tired you just fire is great my friend rodney howard brown introduced me to a song that I play every day. I believe how you start your day is very important. I've done this same thing for years now, so I don't have to work at it, I don't have to remember to do it. When I wake up in the morning before I get out of bed, you know, the enemy starts saying, oh, this is bad. So many bad things happening. You, you, know, you heard the news, another bombing, another terrorist thing. Dollars going down, oil's bad. So I, I make a decision beginning every morning. The Bible says, and it's good to do what the Bible says. If there's any good report, think about that. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about that. So I, I lay in bed and I think about the good reports, and there's lots. I think about the things I've got to praise God for in my life, and there's so much. 
If there's anything pure, anything lovely, think about those things. The devil says, no, no. You see, the devil's trying to distract you, discourage you. But you start thinking and you get encouraged. Before you get out of bed, you get encouraged. And then every morning I begin the day by listening to some music and doing some worship. Sometimes when I'm getting ready, sometimes I just sit, whatever. Sometimes I exercise and listen to it. But I get it in my spirit. First song I always play every day, wherever I am, is that great old hymn of the church, sung by Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World. It's, it's not a hymn of the church, by the way. But ah, it's a great song. And I talk to Louis every day as he's telling me, it's a, what a wonderful I said, it is. It really is. It really is. It's a wonderful world. It's phenomenal. These are the best times that have ever been. And I told my family years ago, I said, I want that, I want that recording of Louis at my funeral. And so my son Steve went out the next day and got it, and he said, we're ready. <laughs> I, think, I think it was a cassette. <laughs> Maybe it was an 8-track. I don't know, but he had it. <laughs> you don't even know what that is. And, uh, but then he updated to CD. Now he's got it on Ready on his computer, I think, so he, he's ready. <laughs> the next song I play after Wonderful World, it's a song called No Limits and No Boundaries. And I normally play that several times every morning because normally in worship, you need to do a song more than once. Because the first time, you know, it's head. It's in the head, yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes, yeah. But you got to get it in your spirit. And so I get my spirit man just energized every day as he is in my spirit man gets his man, no limits, no boundaries, increase all around. And it goes, oh, I play it over and over and my spirit. So during the day when stuff comes and opportunities to, you know, think otherwise, my spirit man rises up. I said, oh, no, no limits, no boundaries. Rodney Howard Brown's daughter-in-law sings this song, and I'm going to just have you participate as we go to the River Church in Tampa, where Rodney leads, and she's going to sing this. And we're going into part of their service. Rodney will actually encourage you a little bit in between, and then we climax with, how would you put a lady of color? Those people can sing like we can't. They can move like we can't. We try, but it looks stupid, but they, anyway. And we're gonna play this, and you're gonna get into this, and it's, before you walk through this door and we lay hands on you, you gotta get this in your spirit that there's no limits, no boundaries. So I want you to stand, and I want you to, don't just watch the video, but I want you to participate. If we can show that video tonight and just um, let it rip and get the volume up so we get it in our spirit man.
We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.